Okay, uh, hey everybody, welcome back. Hey! To, and um, we're glad you're still around. Uh, we, I know we haven't recorded in a while. Well, like we talked about last time. <laughs> yeah. That's right, we're back. We're if, back. if you just listened to our episode <laughs> back to back, then you would not know that seven months have transpired. Yeah, that's true. You know, and really, what are seven months uh, compared to eternity, right? So, I mean, we don't talk about that yet. About, that's true. <laughs> so, that was, full, that was a teaser. Full, discla- <laughs> full disclosure, this is the second attempt at this episode. We recorded last, mo- or last week. It went great. And then we found out it didn't go great because the sound was off. Yeah, um, I take so for that. We're going to try to f- recreate word for word everything that <laughs> happened and was said there. <laughs> That's um, right. It's going to be amazing. So far, we're off to a bad start. Because yeah, <laughs> I know we didn't say any of this. So we're probably like less than 1% overlap so far. Yeah. Um, cool. So, um, so a yeah. lot has changed in the world since last time. That's true. There's Coronavirus, murder hornets. I, earthquakes. I, I don't remember what murder race hornets Race riots. Are. Oh, that's right. Oh, but I did mention that. In our first attempt, did, I mentioned murder hornets. You did hornets. talk about what murder hornets yeah. were, and I can't remember yeah. how. I still can't remember. I don't know. It was flash in the pan. Really bad hornets, like Africanized yeah, bees some, or something? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm sorry I even brought it up because <laughs> I should have known <laughs> that you'd want to know all the scientific <laughs> I'm sure details. There's some kind of analogy in there for human relationships, but I'm sure there is. We'll have to explore it another time. Yeah. Uh, Viviana. Oh, okay. We have our friend Viviana here as well. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> yeah, and she right. taught us about uh, the, the uh, what are these called? Avocados. You were watching a lot of documentaries. There's the word. Wow. Um, yeah, one of which was about avocados and the black market. I don't know. For the, the Mexican controversy. The Mexican black was, market uh, for avocados. The involvement of the Mexican cartel. Uh, the, the narcs I think, right? yeah, the are in it. And the avocados and... Anyways, and Viviana's also an expert woman. Like, the other woman. <laughs> I'm the token so. woman for today. <laughs> so, anyways, and we have kind of an announcement. Oh, yeah. So, um, you may... Okay. Well, essentially, because we, we thought, um, you know, we'd, we'd kind of start uh, changing the direction of the podcast a little bit. And... Um, we're coming out of the closet as Latter-day Saints, <laughs> which most of you probably already knew, because um, most people listen to this are people we know uh, from our personal lives. We do have some downloaders in in strange places all over the world. Yeah, Kenya, Uganda, some parts of Australia. <laughs> yeah, and they probably didn't know this, but maybe they guessed when we were like quoting Gordon B. Hinckley and stuff. Maybe some people picked up on it. Um, yeah. Anyway... Sure, by Latter-day Saints, we, that's shorthand for we're, we're uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That, that's right. And uh, um, uh, essentially, we're going to incorporate that into um, into our discussions as well. Um, so we're still the same podcast. You know, we still talk about social science and cultural trends and just um, uh, everyday experience. But we'll also, um, we've, we've just broadened that scope a little bit to include a spiritual element as well. And, you know, we don't want to be um, too sectarian about it. Um, certainly, we want to incorporate good knowledge and insights wherever they can be found. Um, we just happen to come at this from 
perspective of Latter-day Saints. So yep. um, hope that's not a deal breaker for anyone. Um, you know, we, we still intend to be very social science-y um, and very open-minded, but uh, that's where we're coming from. You know, yeah, we, so we'll, so we're, uh, because the whole idea of the podcast is talking about human relationships, not not just dating, you know, but um, just human relationships and relationship with God. We feel is, is an important part of that as well. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're good. Um, yeah, we seek truth. You know, uh, we don't claim that our church has uh, a monopoly on truth, but right. um, but it certainly and, and it doesn't it doesn't. Uh, Truth comes from a lot of different places, but but it certainly um, casts. Uh, I don't know what's the right word for it, but it um it kind of enhances the way we see some things. Yeah. You know? So yeah. So we just want to talk openly about that. Yeah. So. Yep. Definitely. Yep. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> so <laughs> one of the noises that Bryce is always making fun of me for making noises. He makes strange and, noises all, all the time. Well, so when I'm so oftentimes it, um, when I'm like reading news on my phone, I'll I'll, I'll be reading something. I'll be like, hmm, and Bryce always well, laughs at that. Yeah, it's more like hmm, hmm. Yeah, it's like hmm. It's that means I yeah. learned something or something. Yeah, or when so. he when he takes a swig of something that apparently is very refreshing, <laughs> he'll go. Like, like like a five year old, yeah, like when a five year old drinks <laughs> which, Kool-Aid. Which honestly, I do the same thing too, but it's it's uh, just very distinctive with Paul, and he makes lots of other, uh, I think, unconscious noises. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, so so why don't we just jump right in here? I guess right. Well, um, so yeah, why don't we? Um, oh yeah, introduce right. or reintroduce ourselves um, since we're kind of starting fresh here, um, kind of. Kind of mm-hmm. like we're starting fresh. So, yeah. so I'm Bryce. Um, I do this podcast, as you know. Um, I I did my undergraduate education at Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah, and graduated right before the Great Recession. So it was terrible, um, and I ended up doing a master's program uh, at George Washington University in Washington D.C. Uh, I did it in public policy. So, um, so I'm very Social sciencey, that's kind of my thing. Um, especially, I like uh, psychology and economics. Um, um, you already know a lot about my interests. Um, professionally, I've worked for the federal government. I've worked for tech briefly. I was self-employed for a while. Uh, I've worked in the legal field a little bit, although I'm not a lawyer, like some people. Um, currently, I work for a nonprofit, and I also trade stocks. Um, so, yeah, that's cool. me. Awesome. And I'm Paul, and I grew up on the wrong side of the tracks of Phoenix. <laughs> and kind of the hood. Explains a lot. <laughs> a little bit. We were pretty poor growing up. Um, and, but yeah, I ended up going into engineering, and then, so I did undergrad in engineering, and then switched uh, gears a little bit and went to law school. So I do patent law. So I'm in private practice as an attorney, patent and trademark law. It's sometimes pretty interesting. Some days are boring. Some days are awesome. Depends, you know, on the day. He has strong opinions uh, about perpetual motion machines. That's right. I don't believe in them. Strong but fact-based. Not. I don't believe in them in our universe anyways. I don't deny that perhaps in another universe with different laws of physics, perhaps they're possible. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, that's basically it. During all that education, I became an expert in human relationships. Ah! That's a joke. You you have you have a 
scientific curiosity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would say also, you know, your your training prepares you to to analyze and think critically about complicated yeah. matters. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I consider myself a critical thinker. Yeah, me too. I'm critical of your critical thinking. <laughs> and my analysis tells me it's good. <laughs> okay, good. Because I was gonna. <laughs> Let's face it. Not everyone is a good critical thinker. Most people are not. Yeah, that's right. I, I think uh, most college people, if they took the ACT or the SAT, they'd bomb the critical reasoning part. Isn't yeah, it, right. Sure. Yeah. I interrupted um, you again. What were we gonna say? I, I just I I like to say I'm discerning. You know, it's like uh, uh. it's like uh, why am I not friends with some people? Because I'm discerning about my friendships. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a mean way to put it. Um, I don't know. But it's honest. <laughs> it is honest. It's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, um, for sure, man. Okay, so, Viviana, we got we to gotta okay. have you introduce yourself. Um, so, where am I from? I am from Texas, and specifically in a – I'm from a border town – and that is actually where I did school. I went to the University of Texas at El Paso, and I did an undergraduate in English education. And then I uh, taught Spanish education for about nine years. Mm. And at this point in my life, I am considering going back to school, uh, specifically to be a marriage family counselor. And things that I'm interested in, I'm pretty much like Bryce uh, and like my partner here, Paul, uh, interested. <laughs> interested. Paul. <laughs> I don't, did I deserve that? <laughs> like, okay, so like the uh, co-hosts here on, I definitely am interested in human relationships and human dynamics and maybe complex things. So that is maybe why they brought me here because they that wanted me to... That is why we brought you here. You're absolutely right. <laughs> they wanted me to be a token Latina woman. Not, not, not token. Not token. Sorry. Integral. Oh, thanks. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I, what expertise do I bring to the podcast? I love watching this uh, series on Netflix and Hulu Plus called Married at First Sight. Oh, this is something we talked about. Yeah. Good. And I love watching just... I love exploring how different uh, relationships function, but also how I love exploring how self-fulfilling or how, you know, core beliefs influence self-fulfilling prophecies mm. in certain ways. Mm. Viviana, you're overthinking it. You're overthinking it. That's what underthinkers <laughs> yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Their eyes start to glaze over at this point. Yeah. And it's just really interesting because... Watching this uh, series, uh, you can see how there's so many ways that a marriage could go right, but you could also see how so there's so many ways that a marriage can go wrong. Wait, really what, is this, what is this called? It's Married on, at First Sight. It's on Netflix? They, it's on Netflix season nine. and Season, season nine? Seasons Holy moly. Like, like four to eight or four to nine are on Hulu Plus. Oh, Hulu, yeah. interesting. And so what's the premise, yeah. though? The, the idea is it's a social experiment, and they are matched up by... So there's like 200 or 300 uh, single adults, and what they do is they kind of weed through them and 
You, so the not people single who, adults in the LDS church, right? Sense, yeah, for those who are Latter Day Saints listening. But what they do is they kind of uh, they have them go through a series of uh, psychological evaluations, huh. and <laughs> a lot of them fail and never make it on the show. <laughs> yeah, but they only end up picking three uh, couples, so that's six people, or sometimes they pick uh, four couples, and. Uh, they they have home visits and you know they're chosen by a, a psychologist, a marriage family therapist who's also a pastor, hmm. and then also a woman who's uh, I guess she has a PhD in sociology from hmm. I think it's I don't know one of the one of the weaker social sciences. Of, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. But they kind of try to look at the partners and see if they can match them up, and they. What's really unique about this series is you can kind of see the different challenges that people have. Mm. And you get to learn so much about dating without actually dating. Wait, okay, because they're they're paired. They, they get married. They just, get married. And they literally... They're committed to marry these people before yes. they've met them. Yes. That's, Crazy. That's and they marry them each other at the altar. They meet that, each other at the altar. They meet each other at Holy the altar. Holy moly. Yeah. Okay, but they've had interactions beforehand. No. None? They, so the there's, these they, are arranged marriages. They're arranged marriages. Whoa. So it's a social experiment. They, they, the only thing they know and... about each other is that is what the other partner's ring size is. What? That is how crazy it is. So they basically well, have to trust to the sociologist ring, and ring the psychologist. Ring size is the, yeah. mirror, the window to the soul. There you go. <laughs> That's the first yeah. time I heard that. Um. Yeah, they definitely have to heavily trust the the people who are wow. choosing the partners, and they have That's to trust crazy. their judgment. And okay, yeah. but the, the, the I wouldn't choosers, trust most of my great yeah, the, the choosers are they trying to pair people up well, or they're like, yeah. hey, we're going to randomize this experiment? No, they don't randomize okay. it. They try to pair people up okay. according to compatibility and according to values. Interesting. Sure, but you know, like I heard somebody say, when you're like, I wouldn't even trust my best friends uh, or, or family to do that kind of thing you know and like i heard somebody say one time that uh when you're when people set you up you get to see what they really think about you <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> by who they set you up with yeah like, and it's usually different from how you heck? see yourself <laughs> are you serious also really hard because like you know when people set you up it's hard i feel like most of the times people set you up one of you just isn't like attractive to the other one and that's and, usually and, my experience and it's hard i've had good setups too though i have had relationships from setups hmm. and you know one of my brothers got married from setup but wow. yeah so it does happen like, it does yeah. happen. but i mean that's the way marriage was done a long time ago anyways right. you know yeah, and everyone true. was set up and their that expectations was, were way was, way way lower yeah that was for better or for worse that was before we invented love that's <laughs> They didn't marry for love back then. You're right. I think it was. I think it was the romantic movement in America and in Britain that kind of spurred this was that, whole idea. Was that the 1800s? On. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Also, because I, like, I think back then they. I don't know. Things were a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. it might be like a. It might like be like a, a, a progression, you know? Because like, Probably. even I remember reading this uh, book that was um, a book about literature that came out of World Wars. <laughs> 
<laughs> I wouldn't normally have read, Yeah, I wouldn't normally have read this, but says Bruce. Yeah, okay. I lived with a bunch of guys that had like we had a, like a huge bookcase in our front room. These guys were just such voracious readers. You know, Evan. They were racist readers. No, voracious Uh-oh. readers. Can't get voracious. <laughs> don't, don't give their names. They're gonna get killed. Nobody said anything about racism. Get out of here. Um, Everything's about racism, Paul. <laughs> okay, stop. Anyways. Uh, and so I was like, we had this gigantic bookcase that was so full of books. And I was like, you guys, I'm going to read every book from beginning to end. Like, so I started at the top left. And like this, this, and they were all laughing at me. You know, I really only made it like three or four books through. But this... but this was like one of the books. It was just, it was just because of where it was placed in the top left corner. So I read it. And, uh, but it was interesting how like even, um, even in that, in that book, like the stories that were like about World War II, um, I, you know, I feel like I remember accounts where people were talking about their marriages. Women were mm. talking about their marriages. And they just seemed not as focused on like emotional, being romantically in love. Yeah. More like was seemed to be a good guy, and you know, it was yeah. a good time. A respectable man. There we go. That's that's man. Mr. Darcy. Yeah. That's yeah. The... <laughs> yes. <laughs> And that's what I am, a respectable man. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the no. wrong time period. That's yeah, not exactly. enough now. Good but, sir. And that's, good sir. I, I say. Whenever I get mad at Bryce, I like shake my lapels and I'm like, good sir. <laughs> good day to you, sir. <laughs> you, that kind of thing. Anyway, sorry. I, I was listening off. to a lady by the name of Ether Perel. She's a marriage family therapist and a, I think she's also a psychotherapist. And she talks about how marriage has significantly changed in America. Yeah. And she talks about how initially it was a production economy, like, yeah. oh, we're going to get married and we're going to have lots of children and they're going to work the farm. Yeah. And then it went from that to maybe in like the 70s or 80s to like a service economy. But she also says that nowadays what, you know, marriages have become is they've become this what they call an identity economy where yeah. it's like, I want you to fulfill Every need, I want you to be my therapist, my lover, my confidant, my, you know, my mother, my father, you know, just like everything, you know, everything that a community. So she says what it it used to be, what you could get from a community, we now want from our spouses. Yeah. 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 What percentage of people actually find that, do you think? I don't know. I don't think it's high. Sorry, (laughs) Siri, go on, Paul. I was just thinking... uh, it would be interesting to try to um, trick kids as they're growing up into 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 this idea that like actually you know when you get to a certain age you go out and you work but you contribute all your money back to the family similar to like the working on the farm kind of thing you know I don't think it would work in today's society but it would be interesting because we um, yeah because back in the days people had more kids because kids were less of a now they're a financial liability right <laughs> they were a financial asset back then but hey if we had them go work at Burger King contribute money back to the family. They're a financial asset for a while. Yeah, then you people know, have more kids. It's the, it's the ticket to to riches. Yeah, I think yeah so. now they're all just expense. And they will all get rich. It will all work out between the rich and the poor. Well, also part of that comes from you know the child <clears throat> labor laws that were enacted after That's the Industrial true. Revolution. That is very true. Right? You can't you can't just hire kids to do whatever you want anymore without any restrictions. But you can in Man, third world countries, like like the good old days. Yeah. I'm just kidding. But yeah, you know, like the yeah, anyways. Yeah, no, that's, those are interesting thoughts. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I'm not, I think like mostly it's a good thing that we can I think I mean, I think I think mostly it's a good thing that 
that we we marry for love in Western culture generally, but I don't know, you know. I don't know either. To it either. There's you know, definitely pros and cons. And I mean, you, but from our perspective, right? We couldn't fathom not not um, you yeah. know marrying for things other than than romantic love. Yeah, we'd have to, you'd have to like, or else we'd be married right now, uh, yeah, which none of us are. Well, sure. I feel like almost everybody who's not married probably has somebody who would be willing to marry them if they right. were willing to settle, right. you know, right. or whatever. Sounds bad, but so, so marry you, someone who merely had good qualities. So <laughs> why do you think that people choose not to marry, even if they're like, okay, well, this person is a respectable person, <laughs> right? Why would a person choose not to marry another person? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think we prefer to be single than being married to a person we don't love. You know, yeah. and and I think that's okay. or that we find boring, right? Perhaps. That doesn't that doesn't meet our identity needs. What what we as we see them, right? Yeah, sure. But do you think you could learn to love someone? You know, and that's like the very Eastern thought. Yeah. Right. Well, somehow, yeah. so yeah, that's tricky because okay, I, I actually for me, so I'm gonna throw in some some gospel stuff. <gasps> I'm going to allow that because now we're okay with that. <laughs> Bryce used to really laugh when I I can't remember if it was when he first moved in here and I kept listening to this Ben Harper song where he keeps saying that's the power of the gospel. But great, now we're gonna have to pay royalties. <laughs> oh, I don't so, know. <laughs> thanks, Ben. Uh, okay. So, um, what was I saying? I don't know. I, I keep interrupting you. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know what I was saying, and I've and I've talked about this in some of the relationships that I've been in. Like, I, from an eternal perspective, I believe. And in our, in our religion, we believe in eternal marriage. So it's not just like marriage till death do you part. It's marriage for forever. After this life, it never ends. And yeah. and, um, and we believe that requires like authority. Like that's right. You can't. It doesn't just happen, right? Um, anyway, this yeah. is not this is not a Sunday school lesson. Sure, absolutely. It involves you both progressing and becoming yeah. better people and stuff all along the way. But like, I believe that. My personal belief is that all marriages that stay intact for eternity become like the perfect marriage. Yeah. Uh, I believe that about all human relationships. You know, I lost my dad a few years back. I mean, this was like 2013. And uh, I've talked about this some on here, but like I don't, I felt like sometimes like I didn't have, I didn't as naturally connect with him as some of my other brothers who just were kind of more similar personalities to him. Mm-hmm. And now it's kind of hard for me when he passed away. You know, I felt like I had some guilt about that. But uh, I feel like he's still involved in my life. I I believe that um, all relationships that are eternal, that stay intact, can become perfect over time. Yeah. And so I believe that about marriage too. But sure. I, in general, what I believe though is that in this life, in mortality, we're kind of choosing the things that we don't think we can wait for eternity for. <laughs> That's right. That's like right. so, for, I think all of us kind of decide yeah. that like I can't wait for physical attraction. That's men and women. They, they yeah. can't wait for that. And and what are the other things that are so important to you that you can't wait for them? You know, I do think that in some you know, little microcosms that we have, we we start to get super picky about stuff. You know, Absolutely. Like, well, you're not going to live in Arizona? Well, all right, forget it, you know, which maybe, you yeah. know, some, I think some things just start to get kind of fickle, but yeah. Anyways, those, are, some, those are my yeah. two or three cents. Some people get so consumed with, you know, just everything about the other person 
they're like, well, you need to have a certain type of job. You need to have a certain type of look. You have to, you know, and, and some people tend to be a little too perfectionistic uh, to the degree that I don't think it's healthy and it doesn't help them yeah. in any way because they could overlook some really great, you know, personalities. Sure. But just because they have these prerequisites, they've kind of dig. You know, because they have certain expectations of what love is, is supposed to look like, yeah. they kind of dig their own grave, so to speak, or prison. They yeah. create their own prison through which they look at life. Yeah. And thank you, because that just reminded me of some things I said last time. Because <laughs> I think, um, you know, in the Latter-day Saint world, um, there's definitely some, like, cultural blind spots or cultural superstitions that, that get in the way, you know, and I, and, and I remember we talked about this when, in our first run with this, um, you know, I, I, I'm a big believer in, in agency and from the Latter-day Saint perspective, we, we all, we think that, um, you know, we, we believe it was such a controversial issue um, that there was a war in heaven over it. Um, and that a lot of of God's children didn't have the opportunity to come to earth because they weren't on board with it. You know, and, and when we talk about agency, we talk about choice as well as accountability. And, you know, I think agency is still very controversial now. I think the human tendency is to want unlimited choice and no accountability, right? Um, wait, how does this relate to what you're saying? Uh, but being perfect over oh right right and so I, I think there's a tendency to underestimate how much uh is actually expected of us you know and and um i think a lot of that can be like learned helplessness where we just don't feel that um that we have any power to do anything about about stuff so we just say oh well it's it's external forces you know primarily um uh i think a lot of it's that um um I mean, certainly there are things which are lots of things which are not in our power, but I think we tend to underestimate what things are in our power uh, to do anything about. And that's really like God's um, purpose for us is to learn to use our agency and to grow and to become stronger, to become agents to act, not be acted upon. Uh, you know, Doctrine and Covenants section 58 says they're agents. We're, we're in the power... The power is in them, wherein they are agents unto themselves. Um, so I think, I think to, to some degree, our expectations are just like, these are things that are out of my power. I've, I've pinpointed these are issues in my relationships, and I feel that I'm powerless to do anything about them. Therefore, I need to be selective about these, you know. Um, and I think there's a balance to be struck. I mean, because I, I could tell you what they are for me in, in my like my relational expectations and and why I have those there. And it's not just to fulfill my identity needs. It's it's like, hey, I've recognized these are challenges for me in a relationship, and so I think these are things I actually need in a relationship. Anyway. It's hard in uh, settings where you've got like a million choices too, you know, and I mean, I think that's kind of like, that might feel like what it's like. I wouldn't say a million choices. I'd say the perception of... The vague perception of of possibilities. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's it's true. Like, there's it's the perception that there's always there's always the people out there to meet, and especially if you like online stuff. Well, yeah. I haven't really done like online dating, but like, oh, I have. Well, I have a little bit, but 
in the times that I have, it is. It's kind of like, well, yeah, there's always someone else. And now we're, you know, yeah. the, the, the location that we're at, there's like a lot of, um, there's a lot of people to meet too, you know. Yeah. It, but anyways, um, yeah, I know they've done studies on this. You know, the Paradox yeah. of Choice talks about this. But um, if you had like a group of like 10 people and like that was it and you knew that was it. Yeah you would pick faster because it would be easier for you to say like, well, this is the best option. And if they'll go for me, then okay. And if not, then you go down the list. But, but, um, and then you end up being happier about your choice than, than, uh, people who have a gigantic list to pick from and then they end up picking someone and then they still have a hard time. The opportunity cost. Did I really make the best choice? The opportunity cost is not unbounded like it is when you feel that the ocean is humongous and, and there's great yeah. people out there that would just fall head over heels over you if you just met them. <laughs> you, you know what? I actually had a dating experience where that happened. The guy was like, well, if we were in an area where there was not a lot of LDS people, I would continue going on dates with you. You're like, I hate but, that you said that, but that was but, honest. But since we're in an area where there's lots of people and he's like, you're, he's like, you're kind of attractive, Vivian, so... You're gonna just you're gonna be just fine. Oh, okay. That's what he said to me. He's like, so I'm not gonna keep on going on dates. (laughs) (laughs) What was your response? I I was like, like, okay. Patronizing much? (laughs) Yeah. But I guess I I will not air my response. But I will just say that that is true. That is a true thing that happens all the time. At least most people tend to say things like think things like that. But he just happened to say it. Yeah, that's very very brave. Um, I found that there's a lot of things I just should not say in that kind of context, and that Uh. would have been one of them. I yeah. I had at least one or two euphemisms are very useful in that kind of situation. When you get to this age, I think you've had a lot of relationships, you know, generally. And we're all mid single age, by the way. We're all all over thirty. Yeah, and uh, and I remember at least one of the girls that I dated saying, and she had backed out of the relationship. And I remember years later running into her, and she was like, "I can't believe you're not married." And and I remember thinking, you yeah, all, you didn't help. You of all people should believe it. <laughs> like yeah. you didn't want to. Did, go was forward. she married at that point? Um, she had been married and divorced, I believe. Oh, yeah. You could have said something snarky then. I, I suppose <laughs> I you could probably have. shouldn't have. You could have said you had your chance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I didn't. Um, you had your agency. <laughs> I did have yeah. a second chance actually, right. but I didn't want to date her then. Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, anyways, interesting stuff, you know. Um, I, I think kind of like Bryce, like what you were talking about, like um, things being more in our control than we sometimes think, you know. And to me, that's like um, Nephi and the boat kind of thing, you know. It's in our in our scriptures, uh, the Book of Mormon, that there's a story about a guy who's given instructions to build a boat, right? But he's not given the boat. So he's, they can sail to the promised land. Yeah, and uh, he's just told how to make the boat and then yep. where to find the tools and he, he asks like okay where do i go find ore and, and he starts making tools yep. but he builds the boat himself and it's mm-hmm. kind of, and there's another bednar talk i can't remember what it was but he's a leader in our church yeah david bednar um and he he said something like what god gives us with what god gives us generally is like raw materials and opportunity yep and we have to take advantage of it you know yep. and it's i think sometimes i'm guilty been guilty of this i think of Especially when I'm like pulling out of a relationship, thinking like, "Well, there's something else out there. God's gonna provide." And, and I'll just sit on the sofa here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not necessarily that, but more like, 
But I, I do think to some extent there's, and maybe some of it is this this fantasy of like the perfect relationship, you know. Or, uh-huh. And sometimes I think like the more people we date, the more in our mind we have kind of like this hybrid person who, who takes That's on the best qualities of everyone that didn't work everyone with. They've dated none of their bad qualities and... You know, but I think that's idealization. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I think, well, you know, like uh, Paradox of Choice talks about like satisficers versus optimizers. Whatever. Yeah. And that optimizers, I think, I feel like I'm an optimizer. Um, yeah. You're trying to optimize, you know. And so you're trying to like, well, it's important for me to have a happy marriage. But, you know, I'm, if I look at the clock, you know, it's like, well, that's... <laughs> It's also important just to have one too. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, is it? I don't know. It's anyways. There's a, there's a lot that goes into that, but yeah. It's it, like Bryce said. It's a balance of of managing our expectations, but also managing our agency. Or like, but we're we've both been talking. We've all been talking about mm-hmm. that. It's a very difficult line to straddle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, anyways, so on the we were talking about how I don't know we talked last time about how like marriage rates are like declining and stuff. Oh yeah, that's right. Because that, believe that it or not, bad? our our main conversation topic was a little more broad, and we just kind of jumped into something else. But yeah, where the question is, what's it like to be a latter day a single Latter Day Saint in 2020? And I think one of the main like trends we see there is just that like marriage is on the decline. It has been for a while um in in our society in american society um as well as in the church um yeah and my question is is that good bad or some mixture of both yeah here's a question for you guys um kind of like a related to that like in the nixon administration i don't remember if we've talked about this in the Nixon administration they tested out a um like a supplemental income kind of thing kind of oh yeah basically you did mention this yeah okay and uh and they stopped it partly because they realized that the the test group that they did this among had a higher divorce rate. And and anyways, let's listen to a podcast that was talking about this. And on the podcast, they kind of like said unqualifiedly, like, "Well, that was a good thing because that meant people were getting out of bad marriages," you know. But I I, I think there's <laughs> I think there's pros and cons there. Like, Funny they um, just jumped to that conclusion. Yeah, it was interesting. Like. Uh, I, because, you know, and we've talked about this on this podcast before that, like, even if you're in a pretty rocky marriage, like, um, it may be the husband and wife will be happier to, to end the marriage, but it definitely has long lasting effects on the children. It's definitely worse for the children. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. For the divorce to happen, even yeah. if it's a pretty rocky marriage. Right. And like, I, I think sometimes we don't. Society doesn't really take that into account. Well, we don't want to, you know, you know we because because it's uncomfortable because it's it the is. truth. Well, well, maybe they don't see it as truth, but yeah. but it's an uncomfortable possibility that I'm in this crappy marriage, but but staying in it is gonna probably all the else being equal is gonna be good for my kids. That's very unpalatable. Um, and and we're not saying that it's wrong to get out of that relationship, but it's just it's complicated. Like you're saying, there's there's other consequences as well. Yeah. Like likely. Yeah. And there's like obviously the church believes that there's certain circumstances in which sure. divorce is warranted. For sure. Yeah. Totally. Um 
But it is very interesting. Like after watching that series on Married at First Sight, it is very interesting to see how different couples, because of their personalities and because of their expectations, mm-hmm. they have different um, conflicts. Yeah. And expectations and how that changes every you know that changes the style of every different relationship and it's also really interesting to see i i was listening to this or or actually i read this book called mary how to avoid marrying a jerk and it talks about how uh just the importance of really getting to know the person that you're marrying but also they talk about how so much of marriage is just the willingness to forgive and forgive and kind of like practicing charity to some mm. degree, you know, mm. yeah. and overlooking. I, I I also read somewhere in one of the, I don't know if it was a BYU speech or a or general conference address or maybe a fireside, but one of the leaders of the church said something about how marriage is really about having your eyes open to all of your flaws, but your eyes half open to your partner's flaws. And so it's interesting why people have conflict and how to, you know, how they navigate through the conflict, because that's really at the core of most of the divorces. Yeah. Yeah. President Hinckley used to talk about that a lot, that, um, you know, selfishness is at the root of a lot of divorce. Right. There was a, I don't remember who it was, like a 70 or something. That's another leader in our church. They're called 70s. And and uh, he was speaking at our state conference or something one time. And, and he said that he had uh, he had some meeting with President Hinckley. And when he went there, President Hinckley was actually like working on some some shed that they were building out in the back hmm. of their house or something out in the back of their yard. And, and there was this like closet. And President Hinckley wanted to use it for something. I can't remember what for. And his wife, Marjorie, wanted to use it for, like, to put vacuum, vacuum and some other stuff in there so it would be easier to clean the place. And so they were kind of, like, arguing a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, it didn't sound like it was very contentious, but they were kind of going back and forth about it. And one of the, their daughters was there, and she talked. She told the seven, and said, you watch, mom wins every time. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and so they kind of kept talking about it, and then President was like, well, all right, okay, I guess we'll go ahead and put the vacuum and stuff in there. <laughs> and uh, it was it struck me as uh, an example of you know considering the other person and 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 he, you know not being selfish it, yeah and it, it's it's a form of sacrifice right he's making a yeah, compromise and sure. you know and it, probably you know in the relationship he's found there's other things that like he recognizes she compromises about as well and you know sure. he wants to you know so it's it's a dynamic system relationships yeah. are um you know and i think that's why this is one of the very most important things that that our church teaches is is you know you got to marry the right person uh, you know in the right place right authority uh this is, this is yeah it's it's um a huge hugely important and i think it's it's not the reason is not because of all the emotional fulfillment you'll you'll get from marriage which you will compared to being single um you know, on average, obviously there's great marriages and there's not great marriages. Um, uh, but you know, it's, it's really, you know, this is, this is how God works with his children. He, he wants them to grow and to become like him. And part of learning to grow and become like him is, is to have a, you know, an eternal marriage, a like consecrated God-like marriage where you learn to work with someone to overcome difficult things, to sacrifice, to forgive. Those are like 
the essence of, of, of what our church teaches. Um, and, and it's difficult, you know? Um, so, yeah. Um, for sure. Like, uh, right. Joseph Smith has the statement. I'm a rough stone rolling right now. only get smooth as somebody chips a corner off yeah. me or something. Yeah. And so I, I, I kind of feel like mortality generally is like, we're all a bunch of rough stones kind of put in a tumbler and we're all kind of yeah. tumbled together. And then our family is like a, a, a few rough stones put in a blender. It's like, a, a high, <laughs> right. it's like there's a lot yeah. of potential polishing there. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, and so, yeah, my, I kind of feel like, and I, um, that's one of the things I feel like I'm missing out on with why not being married is the growth and you yeah. know, the opportunity to, sacrifice and you know to be more selfless but, i mean as a single i'm kind of inherently my default state is a little bit more selfish probably because yeah i don't have and, it, and it's a lot you know? easier it's yeah. less fulfilling but it is it's easier um yeah we talk but, about, but the way forward is not clear right because you don't you don't just i don't think the, i don't think the solution is just to just commit to anyone right absolutely not um, and and say, hey, give me all the hardship you can. I need to make this as hard as I can. No one wants that, right? Uh, nor should we. But, but uh, you know, the other extreme is a temptation as well, which is, you know, I need the other person to be absolutely perfect in every way because that's what I want my marriage to be. And, of course, we want that. Uh, of course, it's not wrong to want that. But I think to expect that <laughs> causes problems. And I think that prolongs the singleness. And, you know... Half the U.S. is single, uh, and I think in the in the church population, I don't know the stats, but I, I'm guessing we're headed in that direction as well. There's just tons of single people in the church. Yeah, well, um, so to kind of get back to that question, like the decline of marriage generally, there's there's maybe some good in it too, in that there aren't as many bad marriages, right? But uh, and but there's bad too. <laughs> yeah, and. It's also true that it's not it's not necessarily just that um it so of course we get more children growing up in single homes too which you know? statistically are are bad for kids yeah. almost being equal Absolutely. and and yeah single parenting like or births out of wedlock have gone up a lot yeah, which as a public a policy guy that's a big concern for me um you know for if for no other reason than the the strain on social safety nets, but obviously there's the human suffering element as well, you uh, know, of not having a father or whatever, you know, which has a big impact. Go ahead. I was listening to this lady's TED talk, and she's a divorce attorney, and she represents men, and she talks about how I think 70, I saw this one. She's like from Las Vegas. I, I yeah, I don't. And she talks it about the story about her dad putting yeah okay we don't want to talk about it yeah anyways but anyways she talks about how 70 percent of homeless kids don't have a father yeah and that is really astounding and crazy and yeah it's sad yeah the numbers have gone up i was looking at some of this stuff um and so there's all kinds of different studies and they'll they'll even split this up like by race because it's different by race too about the number of kids that grew up out of wed or that are born out of wedlock, and um, and there was definitely a, a rise. Like every single race has been going up since yeah. like the 1940s or something, and um, when it was kind of low for for most groups. But like um, yeah, in the 60s, there was like kind of everybody kind of all the graphs kind of like pitched up a little bit, you know, yeah. and they yeah. seem to be kind of like tapering off now, but they're still pretty high. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, and that's not good. I mean, my my my. Yeah, but this is not the kind of thing people riot over. It requires yeah. too much statistical knowledge. It's not emotional enough. <laughs> yeah, sure. There's this far side cartoon where um the kid had like his baseball had gotten thrown through a window and broke a window. And anyways, his dad. So his dad was like uh, lecturing him, and he actually had, was like drawing physics and math on the board about how the base, how the baseball had actually gone through the window, and stuff. And it said something like, "Bobby learns to hate his dad's lectures." You know. <laughs> um, although you know, like my dad, my dad like was very gentle about uh, discipline, and he would just talk to us. You know, he would like take us on a drive and talk to us, and that's all he would do. And I remember my brother Tommy got in real trouble one time, and uh, he was over at his friend's house, and the friend's dad gave his friend, like, a little whooping, you know, and, and, then, and then he told Tommy, he's like, well, Tommy, I can do you too, or I can let you go home to your dad. Tommy thought for, like, one second, he was like, I think I'll go home to my dad. <laughs> so, you know, you might prefer a lecture, like, getting, getting whooped on or whatever. Corporal but, punishment, yeah, which by the exactly. by the way, um, I read an, an article that talked about how kids who are spanked have less gray matter in their brain. Whoa, have you heard about that? No, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, but yeah, what was the saying? It it was, it was the saying that exactly that it changes the neurology of your brain plasticity, something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but there's a documentary on Netflix and it talks about babies and it actually so they did this research. And the the hypothesis was, well, does a does a baby's parenting uh, neurology is it affected by parenting styles? And what they did is they scanned all these babies at the beginning of you know of their birth, and six months later they came back and they observed the mother uh, the way in which the mother helped the baby you know access the toys and you know play with the toys around him or her, and for every time that the parent did not like uh, support the, you know, did not help the baby, they kind of documented it a certain way. Hmm. And for every time that the parent actually helped the baby, you know, access the toys, they documented that. And they also documented the amount of interactions that the parent had with the child as well. And so what they wanted to see was they wanted to see um, well, does that affect the neuro- the the plasticity of the brain? And what they found was that there are changes in the brain because of the way that the parent parented, which is hmm. crazy and controversial. Hmm. But, yeah, yeah. you can't say that. <laughs> well, no, you were talking with Viana one time. We, um, you were talking about uh, some other uh, show you were watching called The Nine Months That Made You. Right? Oh, and I yes. was talking about all kinds of different effects, long-lasting effects on children. Just yeah. from what your parents are going through, just from what your mom's going through yeah. while she's carrying you before you're even born, yeah. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. And even so, what your mom eats. Yeah. Yeah. It affects the longevity of Crazy. your life. And we Crazy. talked about on this podcast before, too. Like, I remember there was a freaking I episode. hope hamburgers and pizza were what. Because <laughs> that's what I. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, you sound like that uh, deep thought. Dude, like, yeah. if, if, if God, God lives within us. I sure hope he likes enchiladas, because that's what he's getting. Um, yeah, like, uh, I was around, we, we talked one time before on this, but, like, I had heard some Freakonomics podcast that was really interesting about how, like, um, children, the there's a there's a big difference in, 
um, like minority children don't have as many words spoken to them uh, during the first so many mo- years of their life or months, whatever. I can't mm. remember what it was. And, and there, there's probably a lot of reasons for that. I can't remember what all the reasons were that they gave, you know. I'm sure some of it was related to income and being a single parent. Yeah. And stuff like that. But like, um, and those kids that don't get as many words spoken to them, like they're they're always behind the other kids. Yeah. They're just always behind. Yeah. And so anyways, and, and you know, I don't know. I, I felt like it spoke to... Uh, it, that to me spoke to the importance of mothers because mothers speak more to children and yeah. ge- they, I mean, they speak more generally, they speak more words yeah. uh, and their children benefit from that, you know? Yep. So anyways, okay. Well, too. for the last 15 minutes or so, do we, let's, uh, let's uh, go back to the original question. Sure. Marriage is not, or, or, okay, or even the more original question than that one, which is, what is it like to be a single Latter-day Saint in 2020? Hmm. Uh, I think it's a great time to be single. It's also a terrible time to be single. <laughs> it's the a jungle the out there. The yes. best of times yeah, and worst of times. It's, it's a jungle out there. Yeah. Um, and um, it's not hopeless. Definitely not hopeless. But I think uh, it's a great challenge existentially to know like you know how do i live my life in such a way that this doesn't have to be permanent um or 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 i think more importantly is like what is god's purpose for allowing me to go through this um and and i'm hoping your answer isn't well he just wants me to wait for something good to happen (laughs) and i don't no one consciously thinks that but i think the way we behave sometimes is that Right, that we—it's a little too passive. We we don't give ourselves enough credit for, for our ability to improve things, um, you know, um, and our responsibility to do so as well. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I I feel like uh, I feel like there's a lot of potential. Um, I think a lot of the personal growth I've gone through through in the past several years, um been absolutely necessary and, and a lot of it has had to do with like how i approach relationships and how i approach my life really um you know in in the lds church we we talk about faith being a principle of power and of action um you know and it's something where we become co-creators with god and, and it's not and the relationship is is another i think you know false idea in church cultures that we think that um that God just wants to dictate things to us, right? That thou shalt do this and that. And and he does do that for sure. There are certain things. That, um, but I, I find for the most part, it's not things you definitely should do and things you definitely shouldn't do. It's like you figuring figuring it out with his input and sometimes his approval. But but really you're becoming a co-creator, right? Like you're, you're making the decisions. Um, which... You know, instinctively, none of us want to make decisions if we're going to be held accountable for the outcomes, right? (laughs) But uh, but we don't we we don't have to shy away from that. We just you know the important thing is you learn how to make good decisions so that you don't need to worry so much about the outcomes. That's really anyway. I'm rambling, but yeah, I think if we're we're trying to optimize, you know, and if we think to ourselves like, well, I've got access to Revelation, and hey, God, like you know, just tell me what to do. You know better than me. I'm just gonna sit here. You just tell me when. Yeah. And what? It's not really like the best model. 
I was going to say earlier, I'm really glad that, you know, when Viviano was reading that book, How to Not Marry a Jerk, that mm-hmm. I'm glad it, it wasn't... It talks specifically about you, Paul. It was just a pamphlet. <laughs> just kidding. No, it doesn't. Just kidding. It was just a pamphlet. He's a respectable man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It talked yeah, about me. That's, that's what I claim anyways. It just it just was a... It really was just a two-page pamphlet. It just had pictures of me and Bryson there. It just said, just don't take these guys. <laughs> Stay away from these guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, yep. uh, no, but... Apparently, that pamphlet was widely read. Yes. Because <laughs> it's working. Yeah, man. I mean, I've got, like, uh, you know, obviously, I think I think a lot of singles uh, in the church and out would prefer to be... In the church and outside of the church, you said? Yeah. yeah, in the church and outside of the church. Singles, I think a lot of singles would prefer to be married than not. Now, yeah. I mean, you talked a little bit, some, we had on, in some of the notes here, we talked about how, in general, uh, though, though, the ages at which people feel comfortable marrying gets older and older yeah people feel more like it's kind of like the capstone of their right you know their education and getting a career and right. stuff like that and then i think there's pros and cons to that you know um yeah. i mean because i think like in our church culture we were kind of taught generally we haven't for a long time to kind of just just get married and you're younger and stuff and um i think in the long term, I think there's a lot of good effects that come out of that. Although I also had heard that like we have a lot more bankruptcies and stuff, you know, because people aren't that smart with their money. They get married young, maybe, but then maybe they also don't they don't sacrifice, perhaps, or I don't know, maybe they don't. Yeah, I don't necessarily see that. They're as not related. paying their tithing. I, I, well, I don't necessarily see that as related, like to getting married young. The, I think just Americans in general aren't great with managing their money or a, a sizable proportion of them. And and I think a lot of that is because we're never taught it for, in formal education and presumably not in, you know, in home environments either. Um, anyway. so, yeah. Are yeah. you talking about within the church where there's bankruptcies or are you talking about just within, within the, the United church, States? Especially within the church. Like really? I, I, I wasn't I aware remember, of that. But I, had, I, don't, I, I, can't, I don't have like a citation to back this up, which I like to have, so. You have to take this with a grain of salt, but no, I had read that like Provo had like just really a high rate of bankruptcies compared to like yeah. other places, you know. Yeah. Because um, it's keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Well, this is, well, this is another thing that that I said last time, and that I just remembered that I said, uh, which is you know another of these like cultural, um, you know, superstitions is or not superstitions. I would call this a bad habit. Cultural bad habit is because in, in our church we're, we talk a lot about like principles, right? Um, which is important. That's what we teach, principles. But um, um, sorry, I just got distracted. We're number eight. We're number eight for bankruptcies. Oh, okay. Oh. Ben, you, you, our fact just, checker. Is this fact Utah? Checker. State of Utah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Um, well, I don't think that's, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. You, you, you mull over that, and I'll finish what I was saying, which is, um, what was I saying? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Oh, just that, like, um, it's easy to talk about, talk in generalities, right? To, to talk in g- vague generalities. Yeah. But I think those aren't useful for application. And this is why, like, in church, like, teacher manuals, for instance, like, some of the prompts for, like, questions you can ask as the teacher, you know, are, are things like, how has this principle affected you? You know, to try to get people to talk about specifics. I think um, humans generally... You know, it takes more mental work to talk about specifics, and and generally we avoid things that are, you know, harder. <laughs> but um, so so when you talk about you know more bankruptcies, 
to, to me, in my mind, I interpret that as like, well, you know, it's these people who took a good principle, like, don't, you know, don't be too picky about marriage or, you know, don't, don't delay it for, for the wrong ideas. And, and maybe they didn't look, look into the specifics enough, like, hey, how am I going to keep this, this family financially solvent? You know, uh, yeah. and especially if you were like Bryce and you studied a not, a not marketable major like uh, psychology. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, well, I mean, also, I think too, and then graduated right before the recession. Yeah, some of this ties back in, in my mind, some of this ties back into like what you were talking about before about like, uh, you know, how much we expect God to like kind of save us, you sure. know, and, from our moral issues or just you know hardships like well yeah god so getting married at a young age and not having a lot of money okay but you still have to be like smart with your money and yeah. careful and stuff and not expect that like well god's gonna save me from bankruptcy because right. it's, you know we're doing the right thing right well no if you're not smart with your money you might not and maybe yeah. that's a good lesson for you to learn <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know can I also say something? Well, something that has... I'm not from Utah. Um, but, me neither. None of us are. But yeah, uh, one thing that I've noticed is that sometimes maybe for some people, not all people, there's a little bit of that keeping up with the Joneses. And yeah, so sure. that could be a contributing factor to people getting sure. into bankruptcy yeah. because they feel they have to fulfill a certain image or yeah. something, you know, whatever. Um, I, I So that... that to me, it was kind of similar to like, well, not exactly the same, but like when Bryce, when you were talking about like Sunday school lessons being general, I feel like. Well, the principles are general. The principles are general, we, right? We try to get dig into the it's, details. It's true, but we don't tend to like talk about our own issues at church. Like we don't right. talk about our own issues on Facebook. Except for some people. They talk too much time. about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. We do have some offenders uh, in every group of people. But, yep. But. You know, to some extent, I I feel like sometimes the uh, gospel teachings aren't 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 felt as 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 deeply when you're talking so generally. You know, and exactly not talking about like, well, I'm actually legitimate right now. This is something I'm going through, and yeah. kind of put yourself out there, kind of thing. You know, it doesn't happen a lot in some church settings, and like like I said, similarly on Facebook. You know, that's why like you, you look on there, and it's like everybody has an amazing life. They're doing great. And they're not oh. really, but you know. How much time do you spend on Facebook these days, Paul? Well, I don't spend any on that. I right feel now. like Actually, people are being way too real, way too transparent about their inner angst these days. Okay, okay. Oh, and, okay that's, that's it, it does depend on the person, but I'd guess the average has gone up. Yeah, that's fair. With I, all I, the I, unrest in the world today. We, yeah, we're in kind of in a weird moment yeah. in general, I guess, in yeah. the past. Facebook's becoming yeah. social media. Which, general. by the way, I've decided, I've learned the Instagram is actually used to meet people and apparently it's less toxic and angsty than Facebook. So I'm going to try to start using Instagram hmm, where okay. people are still pretending that their lives are fantastic in every way instead of Facebook where they're providing ample evidence that their lives are not. <laughs> uh, it's because you can put those filters and so once you have those filters then it's all That's okay. right. Just filter away <laughs> anything, right. any blemishes. Yeah. Happy filter. That's awesome. No, I was also going to say something yeah. that I think might be causing the bankruptcies maybe in Utah is because Utah also tends to be, it's what, the small business capital of the world. Yeah. Maybe there's a lot yeah, of There's like, a lot of entrepreneurs. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of, and so yeah. that, like, several factors. That yeah. might be also another contributing factor, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, yeah. I also sure. think when we talk about these, like, studies, you have to remember, well, I mean, unless they, 
I mean, obviously for us, we're interested in like how how representative is this of like LDS culture. But you have to remember, like Utah, the population is not monolithic, right? Like, so I don't know. I'd be curious to know like um, stats about the population they actually studied. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. You know. It's all. I haven't really looked into this. Yeah. I can't really speak to it. But yeah, it's true. You got more entrepreneur stuff, entrepreneurial stuff going on yeah. here, and expect more bankruptcies probably when you yeah, have that. Right. Not necessarily a bad thing, you know. I was re- listen, I was reading something about um, bef- about the United States before we had bankruptcy law, yeah. and um, George Washington like had some friend who was like a hero of the Revolutionary War kind of thing, or he'd like been like a general underneath him or something, and he was in debtor's prison because he couldn't pay off some Aww. debt. And, and uh, anyways, I can't remember. It was like something like that was like one of the one of the things that uh, made him think that, yeah, maybe we should have <laughs> some way for people to absolve their debts. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways. So we've gone in an interesting yeah, direction. Is, I, yeah, not necessarily related to marriage. I mean, I, I love talking about financial stuff, so I'd love yeah. to get more into that. Sure. Because I think debt is interesting. And I, I would say this. This, one this is the final thing. I, I do think that young people today are very comfortable with debt in a way that previous generations probably were not. Right. Because and so much of that is driven by consumption of higher education that it's just the costs have skyrocketed and people will pay sure. apparently any amount for education. And so, you know, and, and I think that factors into just how young people live their lives financially, which is recklessly, you know, and I'm, I'm not immune to this. I have a lot of debt. You know, a lot of that. Most of that has come from like business stuff. But but um you know, I think this is kind of a parallel for how we approach, you know, other aspects of our lives as well. It's like, I want the good stuff now, and I want the hardship and the paying for stuff later, if not never. <laughs> right? and, and that's kind of what we're doing with, with our single status too, right? It's like, well, I'm, uh, I'm going to enjoy life now and have a difficult but maybe rewarding marriage later or never. <laughs> I don't know. I need to flesh out that par- that uh, <laughs> analogy. But Yeah. Okay, so for me, what is it like to be a single Latter-day Saint in 2020? I would also... In negative one minutes. Okay, okay. I would also say, yeah, there's definitely challenges, but we are living in some pretty amazing times. Sure. Unprecedented. And yep. obviously, coronavirus uh, maybe presents new challenges. However, I feel like there's still... There's still lots of opportunities, and I think, if anything, I'm hoping that this coronavirus will allow people to wake up and see they don't want to be alone for the rest yeah, of their lives. Yeah, which, which some social scientists have, have posited that that you yeah. know that, that this is going to change how people approach it, where they're less picky. Yeah, less picky. Yeah, where where you know, like so, yeah. yeah, it's increased. Uh, yeah. Things like domestic violence, though, and spousal abuse, I believe, mm. in the short yeah. term because. Mm. I think financial stresses in general are bad for a marriage. Like yeah. they're, they're tough on yeah. it, you know. Yeah. And a lot of people are going through financial just stress right now. But yeah. anyways, cut you off because of the thought. bankruptcies. Uh-huh. Because of the <laughs> bankruptcies, yes. <laughs> no, and it, no, I would just say that um, I don't know. I think everything in life has its challenges, and it is difficult. I think sometimes, and the older that you get, uh, the I think the harder it is for you to continue to stay single, you know, because I don't think humans were, man was not meant to be alone, you know? Yes. And I have a lot of 
Yeah. Anecdotal evidence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's challenging, but we are living in some of the best of times. I truly mm-hmm. believe that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, it's been a good episode. Yep, we're done so, talking. Uh, well, <laughs> thank you for uh, your patiently waiting for seven yeah. months. For the yeah, and boy, whatever, I hope the sound worked this time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it did. <laughs> okay. And, uh, <laughs> Thanks okay. for tuning in, everyone. See you next time. <laughs> Goodbye. Take care. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app and give us a rating. Thank you.